Alhamdulillah wa kafa wa salamun ala ibadihi alladhi nastafa amma ba'd fa'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajim bismillahir rahmanir rahim walladhina jahadu fina lanahdiyannahum subulana subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun والسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in his glorious book بَلْ تُؤْثِرُونَ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةُ خَيْرٌ وَأَبْقَى بَلْ تُؤْثِرُونَ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا Rather, you give preference to the life of this world. وَالْآخِرَةُ while the akhirah, the hereafter, khair is much better, wa and is much more lasting. You can translate it that way, you can translate it, and the akhirah is incomparably better and incomparably more lasting. Now, in this instance, there's a superlative used for comparison purposes. But you really can't compare. You really can't compare. Essentially what we're being told is you really can't compare the life of this world with the life of the hereafter. The ulama, in commenting on these two verses, they make a few points. I shared them on Friday. I'll repeat them again today. The first is that human beings are being called out in, this, in the context of the verses, it's a subset of human beings, but basically humanity is being delivered a message. So we can take a general message from this. Humanity is being given a message that one of the mistakes that we make is that we give preference to this life. But you give preference to the life of this world. So the scholars, they say, the reason that we give preference to the life of this world is because the hereafter is veiled. If you think about the way this world works, I take $100, or just make it simple, I take $5. I trade $5 for a gallon of milk. And I see that as a fair transaction. I take X amount of money, and I get Y in return. I go to professional school for three or four years. I pay a hefty tuition. But it doesn't bother me that I pay that tuition, because the expectation is that I'm going to get a job, and that that job is going to be far more rewarding in exchange for this high tuition that I've paid. 
Now, if you said to anybody that the tuition for medical school is $1 million a year, nobody's going to go to medical school for $1 million a year because they'll say, this doesn't make any sense. I'm not even going to make that much money. Why would I go and do medical school for $1 million a year? So there's a calculation that's made. At every moment, we're making a calculation. When we decide what we do with our wealth, what we do with our time, how we hold our money, how we spend it, we make a decision. I'm saving up money. I want to buy a house. I transact $500,000, two, three, four, seven dollars $700,000, whatever the number might be, depending on your neighborhood. And you make a decision that this is a transaction that's beneficial for me. That's the way that the life of this world works. But the reality is that there's actually another transaction that's available to all of us, which is to transact the resources that we've been given in order to be able to earn a reward in the hereafter. Think about it for a minute. I could give $5 to buy a gallon of milk, and I'm going to get a gallon of milk. But I'm going to drink that milk. I'm going to process that milk. I'll take a little bit of energy from it, and much of it is going to end up being processed by the body and removed as waste. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, half of that gallon might even go to waste if it sits in the fridge for more than a week. But I could take that same $5, I could feed someone that's starving or hungry or in need, and that $5 will actually then be multiplied many-fold and will be returned to me on the Day of Judgment in Jannah. You can't compare those transactions. $5 for milk that you're just going to drink and you're going to pass through your system, most of the time you're already full, we're just filling ourselves on top of ourselves, versus $5 to the needy and the reward and the lasting reward and the permanent reward, you cannot compare. You cannot compare. And the Qur'an is actually telling us you cannot compare because the akhirah is two things. Khair wa abqa. It's incomparably better and it's incomparably more lasting, more permanent. These are two characteristics of the akhirah. Now, the first point that the scholars are making here is that who in their right mind, if they understood the passing nature of this world and the lack of quality in this world, who in their right mind would ever choose anything in this world? How would they ever choose this world over the hereafter? Well, the reason for that is because the hereafter is veiled. We can't see it. We can't see what's happening in reality. We're in a bubble. You know, if you just, for example, if I said to you that I could create a dome around everybody in this masjid, uh, uh, AI, artificial intelligence, graphics, and everything. I can create a metaverse. Okay, We're going to create a little metaverse. I'm going to just press a button, and this bubble is going to come around us, and it's going to create this world that we're interacting in. Right? So we're in this world, and in this world, we can't see what's really happening if we were to create this metaverse. We can't really see what's happening beyond it because everything is surrounded by this bubble. Wherever you look 360 degrees, you're in that world. And you can move your hand, and you can transact, and you can buy things, and people come to you and say, you look nice, and people come to you and say, this tastes nice. So you're in this, this, faith, this world, but it's not real. 
Why is it not real? Because one day someone will shut off this bubble and all of a sudden you'll be left to see that, wait a minute, I'm actually, I was in a game. This was just an electronic game. But actually I'm in another reality. So that's the paradigm that we exist in. I know all these people talk about metaverse, metaverse, metaverse. We're already in a metaverse. You want to cre- they want to create a metaverse within a metaverse. We're already in a metaverse. This is like an avatar. I'm moving this hand, I'm moving this hand, I'm moving these lips. There's no reality to any of this. It's a big game. Now, the reason that we don't appreciate that it's a game is because we're in this bubble where 360 degrees, wherever you look, everything is real. I can tap on the wood behind me. I can tap on the mic in front of me. It's gonna reverberate with a sound. I can shake the hands of another person. I can go to the store, give $5, buy a coffee, drink the coffee, taste the milk, taste the flavor, feel like I'm waking up from my sleep, and there is a clear effect. It's so perfectly programmed that you can't appreciate that there's something beyond it. So the first thing that the scholars say about these two verses is that akhirah is veiled. That's the nature of belief, right? Akhirah is veiled. You can't see it. But what's going to happen one day? One day, the curtains are going to fall. And here I mean the metaverse curtains, okay? These curtains are going to fall. And when these curtains fall, what we're going to see is there's Allah in his greatness and grandeur, which is going to be completely evident to every person, his throne and whatever, however it will be displayed on that day. So the first thing we're going to appreciate is that reality. And the second thing we're going to appreciate is that there is this reward that is waiting for the people who actually understood that this world was just a test. And there's this reward and that the world that we thought was permanent and lasting, it disappeared. And the good that we thought that we gained, that we thought was something special, it, was, it, it disappeared. And the only thing that's left is this beautiful garden which has been reserved for the people who did good in this life and who put their faith in the promise of Allah for a hereafter. And there's this punishment that's reserved for the people who'd performed evil in this world and who had no faith in the promise of Allah in the hereafter or even in Allah himself for that matter. So that's the reality that's being painted here. The Quran is telling us you, you prefer the life of this world. Now why are you preferring the life of this world? Because you're caught up in this metaverse, this universe that you live in. You look at everything and you think that you're achieving something. But then the Quran makes two arguments, two reminders that every believer should always carry in the back of their mind. Number one, the akhirah is much better. Now, you have to remember, when we say much better, or when we translate, I should say, when we translate this as much better, the Quran is making a relative argument. Relative argument means it's comparing this world to the next, but I would just make this very clear, you, we cannot even fathom the quality of this world versus the next. This world is like nothing. There's nothing in this world that can, can even be compared to what's in the hereafter. Now, unfortunately or fortunately, you can eat an apple in this world, and then you can say there's going to be food in Jannah. 
But the tastes of the food here and the response to the food here is nothing, is incomparable compared to what food in Jannah will be like. You can say that there's going to be a house in Jannah and you can use that as a criterion in this mind. This mind is very limited. I know we like to put a lot of faith in our minds and our intellect today, but we're basically like dogs trying to learn calculus. You put a book and a glasses on somebody, doesn't mean that a dog can read calculus. We cannot understand the reality of this world relative to the hereafter. So essentially, what, what we're making these comparisons, like I have a house here, inshallah, I'll get a house in Jannah. We picture in our head that our house in Lincolnwood is going to be transplanted into Jannah. You can't compare a house in this world to a house in Jannah. You can't compare a relationship in this world with a relationship in Jannah. You can't compare drinking water in this world with the water of Jannah. It's incomparable. But the problem is that we're caught up in this body, whereas we can't appreciate the spiritual realities of what exists in front of us. But that's the first thing to appreciate. And by the way, you know, like, if you ever kind of see, like, a program, there's, like, little glitches. There's little, like flashing or something goes wrong in a computer program, which it just glitches for a second to show you for a moment that there's actually something wrong. It's, it is programmed. It's almost as if there's glitches in this life that just point, rem, point you and remind you that this is just this programmed metaverse which doesn't have any reality to it. For example, you, you, can, you can go and you can get a house, but you don't, you know, it's still made of dirt and it's still cold in the house, and you got to turn up the heat. And when you turn up the heat, your skin gets all dry. And then, you know, it gets hot in the house, and you turn on the AC, but it's never perfect. And sometimes the pipes go wrong, and sometimes the electricity doesn't work the way it's supposed to. You can see the glitches. You can see the imperfections. You can see that I thought I was achieving something, but I really didn't achieve it. And it's funny because this is like what they call midlife crisis in this world today. You know, people spend their whole lives aiming for something. They've kind of got their, you know, their, their sights set on something like, one day I'm going to make this much money and I'm going to live this kind of life. I'm going to have this kind of house. I'm going to eat this kind of food. I'm going to drive this kind of car. They spend years and years and years and years trying to get there. And as soon as they get there, they realized that I got to the peak of this mountain, but there was nothing what I was told was going to be here. In fact, I was happier at the bottom of the mountain, but now I'm stuck at the top, living this rat race, and I can see that there's no fulfillment. So this dunya doesn't fulfill. Doesn't fulfill. Nobody in this world can ever say that their desire was fulfilled. It doesn't matter how many gifts you give, the person will always expect another. And it doesn't matter how many gifts you receive, you'll always expect another. How many people can raise their hands and say, there was a time in my life when I thought, if I make this much money, I'll be totally content. I'll just, the rest of my life, I'll just sit in the masjid. And what happens? Of course, that amount comes. And then, now they say, well, if it was just double that, I would be done. The person who makes 100,000 saying, if I just made 150, that's my key number. Then the person who makes 200,000, if I just made 400. And funny, the person who makes 10 million says 12 million would have been enough. Because the nature of this dunya is that it never fulfills. Every meal leaves you hungry for the next. Every sip of water leaves you thirsty for the next. Every desire that's, fulfill that's fulfilled leaves you empty wondering what's next.
That's the nature of dunya. There's no khair. There's no khair in the dunya. Nobody can point me to anything and say, say, in this dunya, the quality was such that I was fulfilled. But what will the akhirah be? The akhirah will be such that a person will take a sip and there will no, be no more thirst. A person will have, a, will have food, there will be no hunger. A person will have a home, there will always, a person will have a house, but it will actually be a home. Because the akhirah is infin, infinitely better. Again, we use this, this comparison of khayr, you know, better, we're using this ER better, but you can't compare. The purpose of that is to just clarify that, the, that this world and the tiny, tiny um, toys that you pick up in this world, if you had to compare, that's way better. So this is the first Quranic argument to shake the believer and say, wait a minute, wake up from your slumber, wait a minute, there's something beyond the veil. There's something more real than what you think is reality. And then, subhanAllah, the Qur'an takes it one step further. It says, not only is the akhirah infinitely better, but the akhirah is also infinitely more lasting. And subhanAllah, that's evident and present amongst us. What is the reality of achieving any success in this world? The reality of achieving any success in this world is it's the calamity is always waiting one step behind to overtake a success. Now a person gets a little bit of wealth, now they're worried about who's going to come and rob my house. Or even worse, who's going to steal my identity? i got to protect my passwords, i got all this headache, i got to worry about my banking online, i got all this headache, i got to make sure nobody's taking money, funds from my account. It doesn't, it, there's always, no matter what success is achieved, it's always with the overriding fear of calamity. There's some monster behind the closet always waiting to come and ravage whatever we apparently think that we've achieved. And if, if a person is lucky enough, and it, it's very rare that disease doesn't catch you, illness doesn't catch you, calamity doesn't catch you, but if, if for a moment, presume that a person were to be free from calamity, from difficulty, from just the nature of this world, eventually the guarantee, 100% guarantee, death will catch you and take all that you attained. Death takes the person, flips them upside down, empties all the marbles from the pocket, and throws them back in the ground from where they came as naked as when they first arrived. No one can, no one can raise their hand and say otherwise. No one can raise their hand and say otherwise because this world is not abuqa. It's not less, there's, it doesn't last. The akhira is abuqa. Abuqa means it's permanent. Now, again, we're using this comparative here where we're saying this dunya is passing and this is lasting, but you can't even compare because you just think about the dunya and the opportunities that you have in the dunya. Qualitatively, you have no opportunity. Right? Qualitatively, you have no opportunity. Maybe you can enjoy something for a very short period of time to a certain depth, but it has all of its problems associated with it. And quantitatively, you certainly can't compare because even if you were to enjoy this world, it's going to be for milliseconds on the reality of time. 
on the, on the line of time. In fact, it's not even milliseconds. Milliseconds is granting way more credit to the dunya than actually it deserves. Because you have to take 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, of which, honestly, by the time you're 60 or 70, you cross this threshold where you start thinking, I can't really enjoy things that much. And in the first 10, 15 years, you're in school and working and settling yourself. You can't enjoy that much. Make it 50 years if you're lucky. Make it 50 years of enjoyment. If you live the perfect life and no calamity catches you, even that 50 years, you divide that by the billions of years of the history of this universe, and you realize that it's, it's, it's not even zero. It's a rounding error. It's a rounding error. The only reality to this dunya is zero. It's zero. It's zero qualitatively. It's zero quantitatively. So then what is the opportunity? What is the opportunity that we have before us? I mean, if, you know, I mean, I'm not trying to be nihilistic and just say that everything is just to put your head in the sand and just now wait for the, for the day of judgment to come. What is the opportunity? The opportunity is that a person can act, the only opportunity, the only benefit that a person can take from this world is that they look at the circumstances that Allah provides and convert it to a reward in the hereafter. That's the only opportunity. Every dollar we spend on ourselves is absolutely wasted. Is absolutely wasted. Every dollar we spend on ourselves, the coffees we buy, you know, thinking we're enjoying something, you know, all of these things that we do, all of the excesses that we involve ourselves in, it's wasted. The only thing that actually lasts is the dollars that we take to ensure that others are fed, to ensure that others are clothed, to ensure that others are housed, to ensure that others are turned in the direction of Allah, his messenger, and the ultimate reality of the passing nature of this world and the permanence of the hereafter. That's the only reality. No, I mean, what are we doing? You know, I, I can understand a normal person has $100 in their pocket. They take that $100 and they trade it for something. They say, with this $100, I'm going to buy a pair of shoes. Right? Now, they traded it. They decided that that $100 was worth trading for a pair of shoes. But what they bought is going to end up in the garbage in six months, if lucky, a year. And if not, it'll end up in the closet only because they weren't able to think about throwing it away or giving it away. But that's what ends up with $100. Or the person can actually take $100 and buy themselves something real. What's real? Something that's in the hereafter, that earns the pleasure of Allah by sharing whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave and, use, and translating it to purchasing a piece of Jannah. Now you tell me, I mean, who's the fool? Is the fool the one that takes their $100, $1,000, $10,000 and buys their desires and pursuits? Or is the fool the one that invests that in what's permanent and lasting, which is the akhirah? So this is the reminder that the Quran is telling us. Like, look, you've got time. Time is the biggest asset that every human being is given. It's democratically, I mean, I shouldn't say democratically. It's commonly spread across all of humanity, right? There's an equity, put it this way. It's equitably spread across all of humanity. One claim that every person, every human being in the world can say is, I have time. Allah gave me this gift of time. Now the question is, how do we spend that time? If we spend that time entertaining ourselves, 
and worrying about entertaining ourselves and worrying about what's the next thing that I can do to tickle myself in the tummy, then we're the ones that wasted that opportunity. We're the ones that didn't leverage the investment. We wasted it in something that was already wasted, and we're the ones that are going to regret on the Day of Judgment. Or we can take that time, and we can invest it in the things that matter, which, subhanAllah, Islam perfectly lays out for us. It tells us, take your time, come pray in the masjid, offer uh, thanks to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the time that he's given you, and that Number one, gives you happiness and peace in this life. And number two, gives you permanence in the hereafter. Take that time and go and use it to serve others. Take that time and use it to benefit humanity for the sake of Allah. Not for the sake of a paycheck. Not because I want to live a lifestyle. Not because I'm thinking about how I need to have all this money for my kids to be able to go to college. But really, only really because you want to please Allah by serving his creation. That becomes an investment. That becomes the wisdom where a person tears the veils down that are covering the akhirah and actually uses their time in a wise manner. And that's what we're going to be asked about. Every one of us is going to be asked about our time and how we spent it. Or particularly our youth and what we did with it. And the second opportunity that many of us are given, particularly in the West, is that Allah has blessed us with wealth. Now, we're competing with one another to outdo our desires. Where can I find the best coffee? Where can I find the best sandwich? Where can I find the best shoe? Where can I find the, the best of this? The best of, and it's just an intention to fulfill desires. Now, fine, many people live that way and they want to uh, praise, you know, they'll praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and be thankful and that's fine. I'm not addressing the general public here. I'm just saying that Think about what the opportunity is. I can take $100 and I can go and uh, you know, uh, pursue my desires, go and live my life in a certain way, or I can take that same $100 and I can use it to benefit someone who can't even fulfill their needs. Who can't even fulfill their needs. So that's the challenge that befalls all of us. Now, we're patting on ourselves on the back thinking, I have this wealth, mashallah, look at me, look at the way I'm living, I'm so smart, I, I'm so successful, everybody should look at me and think about all that I achieved, but we're actually deluded in ourselves. It's interesting, I was, you can tell what, I, what I've been reading whenever I speak, but I was reading uh, words of one, one scholar, and he, he didn't say it in this way, but I'm just translating it this way because I, this is what I took, I'm just... He basically said, you know, he was talking about zakah and charity. And he said, charity frees both the donor and the recipient from bondage. Charity, it's a very interesting statement. Charity, and again, I'm butchering it, so I apologize. Charity frees both the donor and the recipient from bondage. So I started thinking about that. You know, that's a very deep statement because... What does it free the recipient from? It, re it, it, re free it, it frees the recipient of the bondage of their human need. They're bound, right? Human beings are bound by hunger. They're bound by clothing, the need of clothing. They're bound by need for some degree of shelter. So charity, or zakah in particular, charity more generally, it frees the recipient from the bondage of humanity, the bondage of this body that they've been trapped in as they travel through this dunya. And then, of course, the other angle, 
is that it frees the donor. It frees the donor from their own greed. Because the only way to get rid of that greed is to actually give what Allah has given us. There's no other way around it. There's no other way around it. That's the challenge that every person who's given abundance, that's the challenge that they face. It's, the whole world is a test. When someone's given freedom of time, then the test, the, the test question that comes before us is, how do you spend it? Do you get up and worship Allah, or do you sit and worship yourself? Do you serve others, or you serve yourself? And if you're given the blessing of wealth, which is the second blessing that a person can have, then the question is, how do you spend it? And subhanAllah, every penny will be accounted for. I mean, if we're the ones that claim that Allah hears all, sees all, knows all, and will account for all, and everything is recorded in a book of deeds, then wouldn't it be evident to us that every single penny will be accounted for? And where will we account on that day? So the Quran is just making this very clean argument, very, very succinctly, in just two ayat. The problem, bal here is like rather, so rather is almost jolting in and of itself. It's like jolting you, you know? Bal. It's shaking us, you know? The problem, or rather, or the issue, is that you are caught up in the preference of this world. But the reality, shaking, for, shaking to bring you, to wake you up to a reality. It's like somebody's asleep, you shake them to wake them out of their dream. Let me shake, the Quran is shaking us to, to take us out of our dream. There's only one real reality, there's only one reality, and that is what? Wal-akhirah, and the akhirah, the hereafter, khayrun wa-abqa, is infinitely better and is infinitely more lasting. And how it's better, we'll see on that day. But we can already see the deficiency in the code of this world. Because you can see that you can eat so much and then you get a stomach ache. You can see that you live in a house, but there's so many burdens. You know, the, the, the more the house, the more the people call and complain and say, I've got this problem and that problem. My, my basement's leaking. Make go for me. And it's certainly not lasting. Everybody can see that. It's evident before you. People come and go. It feels like life is going to go on forever. feels like I'm going to wake up every day. It feels like maybe I'm not going to become sick like the rest of the people around me. But eventually, slowly but surely, whether it's diabetes or cancer or obesity or kidney failure or some other thing, you know, now, now you can add to that list anxiety, sadness, uh, paranoia. You can add, you know, these things just keep coming. Calamity upon calamity just eventually encroaches you like, like insects, it's just eventually catching to air, catch, catches up with everybody because that's the nature of dunya. It is a low place. It is meant as a test. It is not a ground for, uh, for us to be celebrating or thinking that we're going to, we've somehow achieved some degree of success. It is not a place of celebration. It is a place of test and trial. And... But, what, but what's the, what, what's the, what are we, what is the Quran waking us up to? It's calling us to something greater. It's not burying us, meaning it's not nihilistic. It's not saying, well, this world is nothing, so give up. It's saying, no, rise up, wake up, see the reality. If you've been given time, use it to worship Allah and to serve his creation. And if you've been given wealth, use it to fulfill your needs. 
but make sure that you also think about your needs in the hereafter. Because your wealth is an opportunity for you to invest in something far beyond this minuscule world, which is passing in its nature. So, the, I mean, again, like I've said before, and I'll just repeat again, the issue isn't, should I buy a house? The issue is, am I building my house, the, my ho the house of my dreams in Jannah? It's funny because the Quran is saying, the deen teaches you, you can have all of those things. You should desire a house, but build one in Jannah. Fine, you need one to live in here. Don't make it the pursuit. Don't chase it. But think about Jannah. Yes, you should go to a five-star Michelin restaurant, but it should be in Jannah. Maybe, you know, you fulfill your needs here and there, and there's opportunity for it to celebrate certain events. You get together as a family, etc. Fine, but the point should still be that when you make a transaction, when we make a transaction, we understand the nature of the transaction. When I take a hoard of cash and I go buy something, I should fully be compre comprehending in the process that this is the cost and this is what I'm getting. I'm giving my wealth and I'm getting something very low and something very temporary in exchange, but I bought it with that intention. I know that I need this place for a few years, so I invest it accordingly. And when somebody gives their wealth or gives their time or gives their attention or gives their desires, to drive them to something higher, they should know, actually, I'm getting the better end of the deal. I'm giving $500,000 here, but it's going to be trillions of dollars in the akhirah. Now, look at the differential. You give $100,000 here, you get dirt. Because food is from dirt, housing is from dirt, clothing is from dirt. You trace it back in your own mind, what is housing but a bunch of bricks and wood which comes from dirt? What is clothing? It doesn't matter if it has Armani or Gucci on it, whatever the, whatever the big thing is now, Louis Vuitton. It doesn't matter. It's still from dirt. It's leather, which comes from dirt. It's cotton, which comes from dirt. It's wool, which comes from dirt. Or you can have a nice meal, which essentially arose from dirt. Everything that you can purchase in this world is basically shiny dirt. Now you think of the Akhirah. Right? For $100 or $100,000 or whatever the amount is, I can buy a bunch of dirt or I can buy, I can take my $100,000 and I get trillions in return. Trillions in return, which again, I'm just using that trillions as a comparative basis, but you can't even really compare. I get infinitely more in the hereafter. So the challenge is for us. And the Quran is shaking us and waking us up and calling us to this very, very simple message, which is that, look, Wake up, the world that you live in, it's, you're in it, but there's a veil. And what's veiled from you is the reality behind this veil, which the Quran calls to, the Prophet ﷺ called to, Deen calls us to. It reminds us that you're passing through a place. And that beyond that veil, there's something much more real. Now, what will happen on that day? On that day, something will drop, right? And just to give you a differential of the quality for a minute, just to give you a differential of the quality, not the quantity, just the quality, we know from hadith that on the day of judgment, there will be a person who had the best life in this world, right? The best life in this world. They will be put in, Jan in, in Jahannam for a millisecond, moment, moment. And then it will be asked of them, Do you, did you ever experience anything good? And the answer will be no. I can't remember, because the quality 
of, Je Je of Jahannam. Millisecond. Millisecond means we're not talking quantity. We're talking about the depth, right? The quality will be so difficult compared to anything that the person experienced in this world. And the opposite exists. You can take the person who had the most difficult life of, on the planet in the history of man, Guinness Book of World Record, worst life. Guinness Book of World Record, worst life. Every difficulty came upon them. Every calamity came upon them. Every single moment was one of suffering. And they will be taken on the Day of Judgment, dipped in Jannah for a moment, and brought back before all of humanity. And they will be asked, did you ever remember any difficulty? And they will say, what difficulty are you talking about? I can't recall anything. Difficulty, what? What difficulty? There's your difference in quality. We're not even talking about time. We're talking about quality. And we're not even talking about the ultimate reward of Jannah, which is to be able to visualize Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the way that he deems it appropriate, which is really the ultimate reward, which we haven't even talked about. We're talking about just being dipped in and out of Jannah for a millisecond. So the Quran is very, very powerful and is taking us to a very, very core message. And we should wake up and hearken to that reality. Now, we're human beings. We will, we will get duped on occasion. We will go and we will do something and then you reflect back and you say, wait a minute, I could have done this, but I did that. That's human nature. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not looking for us to be perfect, but rather he's looking for us to have an intention to turn towards him. Our time is very, very valuable. And every moment that we spend it in the pursuit of Allah is going to be turned into gold. And I can't even again give you a comparison, but it'll turn, be turned into something far better and far more lasting. Same with our wealth. It's an opportunity to, to transact something. Nobody in, this, nobody in their right mind would spend $1,000 on a roll of toilet paper. Which one of you would be like, hey, guys, I bought this roll of toilet paper. It was $1,000. If you were forced to do so, you would never even tell anybody that you did it. Why? Because you're getting nothing for the $1,000. It's evident in your mind. Well, I mean, essentially, that's what we're doing. When we make a decision that I'm spending this much money on something, unless it's really a need, we're basically buying dirt. Or I can take that same money and I can buy the akhirah. So we should open our eyes to the reality. Now, of course, we can't see it, but that's called faith. That's what it means to have faith in Allah. We have faith that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is behind that veil. We have faith that there's a Jannah and a Jahannam behind that veil. We have faith in the promise that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us, which is seen behind that veil. Now, again, by veil, what I mean is the veil of the eyes, the, the bodily eyes, which preclude us from being able to see the reality of existence. So this is the challenge that faces every Muslim, and we should hearken to the opportunities. Again, we're, we're trying to uplift, the Quran is uplifting us. It's not burying us, in, again, in some sort of, you know, um, like hopelessness. It's uplifting us to remind us that the opportunity lies before us. So take it and use what, what, what the blessings that we've been bestowed with to earn it. Because again, none of these are ours. It's not like I'm the one that created myself and so now I'm so tired that I need to like, you know, take, a, take a break. Allah created me. I didn't make any effort. The body, the cells, everything went exactly where they were. It's like the baby doesn't come out and say, I'm tired, I spent nine months <laughs> putting all my cells everywhere. Guys, give me a nine-year break. <laughs> Which baby says that? The whole baby is actually formed by itself. It grows by itself. It does everything by itself. Of course, parents make some effort. They got a big reward in exchange for that. But uh, the challenge doesn't lie in the um, the challenge doesn't lie in us having made any effort. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is the one that provides us with wealth. If any of you who have 
you've been given excess goes back and look at your own lives, you'll see how many times you said, oh, Allah, if you just give me this, I'll give you everything. Please just get me this job, or please just get me this position, or please just let me pass this exam. I mean, this everybody says, you know, please, if I pass this exam, ya Allah, all my money is for Islam. <laughs> everybody makes that same intention, and then what happens? Life catches up to you. So we should wake up to the reality. We should see the world for what it is. We should see the opportunities for what they are. We should see the resources that we have uh, and use them in a way that allows us to be able to take maximum advantage of the time and the uh, circumstances that Allah has placed uh, in our control. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us amongst those who are able to wake up to uh, see the uh, misplaced preference that we have for this world, and may he make us amongst those who are able to pursue the more lasting uh, and the more, uh, the much better and the much more lasting akhirah. Wa akhirah ta'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.